Craft Beer Radio, episode 69, a special Saturday edition, February 24th, 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And this is Jeff Bear. This week we're going to be doing the Long Shot Pack from Sam Adams. Their, uh, what was it? It was basically it was a homebrew, homebrew contest. Right. So there's three beers in this pack. Uh, there is uh, the Boysenberry Wheat, which is actually the employee homebrew contest winner. And then for the general public, there's a Dortmunder Export and an Old Ale, which we'll be trying. All righty. Maybe one more beer just to round it out, too. Yeah, we have some other beers we're going to pull in. Let's start off with Draft Magazine. Right. New edition of Draft. Actually, I'm not sure how... When, it's probably been out for a little bit of time now. It is the one with Mike and Mike on the cover for the people that have looked. The two stories that really caught my interest, which I want to talk about, is they have the Chef's Challenge, where they get three chefs. They make a beer-based dish. They cook you know, food with beer. So, okay. like, For example, the three dishes here are beer-braised short ribs. Sounds interesting. Here, take See, a look. I mean, beer braising to me never seemed like it seemed like you're wasting your beer, right? But well, I guess a good chef would be able to do it right. You know, if I let's see if I can go through the uh, the the recipe here real quick. Well, it uses two bottles of Samuel Smith Oatmeal Stout, so you can see how that would go with <laughs> yeah, ribs, I mean, right? That, that would be better. I've seen people like Hereford and Hops pour beer on their steak. Oh, okay. And it's like that, that, that's pointless. Yeah, it's almost like a. But this is mixed in with a, a whole braising right, type yeah. solution. This one really caught my attention. Frascati, which is sauteed Prince Edward Island mussels, rock shrimp, and anchor porter and Italian sausage. Okay, I can see yeah, how that would work. That. that looks very nice. And then the one other article I wanted to mention real quick is. Uh, 10 breweries to watch in 2007. Okay. So, real quick, some of the breweries they have. Uh, number one, Lost Abbey, which is a spinoff from the uh, Pizza Port Brewery, I believe. Uh, Port Brewing in uh, Los I Angeles. I vaguely remember that. Dogfish Head. They have uh, you know the new brewery built up, so they're expanding their capacity. That's why they're on the list. Number four is Brewery Omegang. We don't and, want to give away the whole article. Well, okay, but I want to tease this part, okay? okay? It's going to be their 10th anniversary. And rumor has it that the 10th anniversary beer is either going to be Omageddon, a golden ale made with the famously funky Britannomyces bruxellensis yeast. Oh, wow. Or Beer to Mars, dry hopped amber ale made with the same Brett yeast. Should be very nice and sour. So, yeah. Number five, Anheuser-Busch. So they have a lot of information here. They, apparently they put out 31 new beers this past year. Um, probably not all of those craft beers, but... Number six, New Belgium. Number seven, New Glarus. And Greg doesn't want me to read you the last three. You're going to have to subscribe to, to find those. So, and that leads us to the promotion part of the deal. Exactly. Full disclosure, we have a cross-promotion deal with Draft Magazine. We get some ads in there to help get us some more listeners. Right. They and we push the subscription. But it's not really completely self-serving because they're giving us $8 off the retail price if you subscribe with the Craft Beer Radio discount. Big link on the top of our website. You can't miss it. Subscribe to Draft Magazine. I like it. Greg likes it. Great beer information. Well, let's start with the beer while we do more business. Um, okay. I guess we should shall do the Dortmunder first. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Because, you know, Dortmunder is going to be a little bit lighter in flavor, so it's good to get that out of the way first. Uh, 
This is from the Long Shot Samuel Adams pack. This is a with a very sticky lid. <laughs> homebrew contest. The Dortmunder style export was created by Bruce Scott in Massachusetts, who describes his classic German style lager as pale golden color. There's some more information in there. With a blend of Pilsner maltiness and a mild hop aroma, the bitterness is just enough to balance the taste of the malt. Well, a good Dortmunder should be like that, and it should look like this. It's going to be yellowish. It's going to be very clear. Uh, it's going to have about two fingers' worth of head and somewhat pillowy. Very well described, Mr. Weiss. My nose is not working today, so okay. I can't really smell much. So here. it's up to me today. Let's see, the aroma is a reminder of... You know, that German-style light lager. You get some of the noble hops. You get a little bit of um, the DMS from, like, the Pilsner malt, the light malt. So you get, so you get a little bit of that um, vegetal, but it, it, it melds in with the maltiness. And, uh, you know, it's just what I expect in this kind of beer. Yeah, I'm not smelling anything, unfortunately. But, fortunately, my tongue is still working. Okay, the first thing that comes to my mind when I took a sip of this is it's a little bit more flavor than yeah, a, a lot of Dortmunders. Yeah, fruitier than I expect from a Dortmunder. Uh, yeah. has a little bit more of, um, mm, I don't know if I can... Ex- Fruity was a great way to put it. It has a little more ale character than a, a lot more, of Dortmunders. I, I'm tasting kind of apple, a little bit of apple there. Okay. Um, yeah, not quite, not quite as crisp and clean as I expect from a Dortmunder. I'm also getting a little bit of, hmm, how can I describe that? Kind of bready malt in the background, but not as much bitterness as I also would have expected. I'm getting this, hmm, it's kind of flavor, you get in a higher alcohol beer, it's not really like fusel alcohols, it's not that. I'm getting kind of a honey taste too, I don't know if that's... Maybe it is the honey. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a honey taste, but not quite as. A lot of times, like with the meads and honey and beer, the honey when it ferments, to me comes across a little bit mintier, mm-hmm. and it's like the honey, but without that mintiness. This doesn't actually have honey in it, does it? I don't think so. You know, actually, I remember when uh, Basic Brewing Radio when James Spencer was at the Great American Beer Festival, and they announced the winners. One of the beers, and it might have been one of the finalists, actually, it used a certain kind of clover honey and would have been very difficult for you know Sam Adams to put into production. Yeah. Um, it was probably one of the finalists. I've never heard of a Dortmunder actually using honey. I just, I, I mean, I don't think the taste is, is prominent. I mean, it's not like, oh, I taste honey, but I definitely taste kind of that apples and honey flavor. Sure. Uh, a little bit of residual sugariness. And, yeah, not quite what I would... You know, it, it tastes more Vienna to me than it does uh, Dortmunder. Or what, I, what I'm expecting out of You think? I think so. No, it's not coming across Vienna to me at all. If I... Let me see if I can think of something that might taste more like than a Dortmunder, but... It, it's... It's certainly staying on it, like the flavor of a golden German lager. Dortmunder, not quite a Pilsner. Maybe a little bit Hellas-ish, 
but maybe hell yeah. I mean, I'm not getting anywhere near what a Vienna lager tastes. I, I'm just trying to. I mean, I'm trying to get the kind of flavors out of this you know, that I would expect from Dortmund, or not really getting. So, yeah, maybe Hellas is a better example. Well, we want to announce the winners of where is that? The winners of people who wanted the beer school book. The beer school book, right? Uh, we already did the random number generator, so I wouldn't have to uh, take the time to do it on the show. And we have five uh, paperback books, so we got five winners. Number one, first person that came up on the list, he's got that rabbit's foot stuck up his butt. Tom Schmidlin, <laughs> congratulations! Uh, he's he is actually at a wine group brewery right now, or was just there in the past couple of days, right. judging the 2007 Beer Drinker of the Year. Maybe his name will finally be on that plaque. Maybe he also said he wanted to see a picture of uh, yeah. of our plaque when we put him up there. <laughs> as soon as we get around to getting that plaque done. Okay, number two, Jason Wamsley. Three, Stephen Walters. Four, Rick Bonnie, And five, John Brandt. So I will pro- I will email all of you guys to ask you for your addresses. It won't be like the what beer am I where you have to listen for your name. <laughs> I also have one copy of the DBBB, which is the Essential Reference for Domestic Brewers and Their Bottled Brands. We had that interview a couple weeks ago with uh, the publisher of the DBBB. And we have one hardback copy, which comes with the year subscription of the online uh, access as well. So if you want that, email me, jeff at craftbeerradio.com, and I will put you in the drawing for the DBBB. Mm, excellent idea. He said excellent because he told you guys to email me in that <laughs> beer so he doesn't have to see the emails. <laughs> right. Our CBR Multiple Brew is going fast. It's getting close to bottling time, everybody. So if you verify that you're participating by emailing Jeff or go to the uh, thread in our forums. Well, I want people to email me so I can really get a head count of who's actually playing. And I'm going to bottle mine tomorrow. Yeah, we had this uh, Dan Shelton interview. <laughs> we just did. Um, wow, the feedback on that thing. Yeah, I was very surprised by the feedback. I mean, okay, I listened to it, and I understand what people are saying in that he was very forceful about his ideas. Now, I happen to agree with a lot of what he said, but he was also very kind of uh, – he came across uh, as being a little bit too egotistical about some of his ideas, not mm-hmm. not having any leeway for what other people thought. I don't know if that was necessarily his intention, but – and just in the course of your conversation, that's mm-hmm. how it came out. Right, right. And so people kind of objected to that, basically him saying everything you know is wrong. Which, <laughs> I mean, I can see why people may, may object to that. I do think that a lot of what he's saying had merit. Uh, I think that there is – I really do think that there is a uh, a culture in, in the beer culture – in the – rapidly evolving beer culture in the United States that says high alcohol, high hops, better, better, better always. And I think that fortunately, you know, there are there are breweries that are coming out that are that are around that are really challenging that and they're going with what they want as opposed to what it's supposed to just, you know, high alcohol, high high alpha acids. They're really going for all types of different beers. They're really just just trying to get the word out of how great beer is and right. across the spectrum. I don't. But that said, I think there is a place for high alcohol and high hop beers. Mm-hmm. Right. the The main thing I noticed when I was conducting the interview was it was really hard for me to keep my questions on topic and to get my questions in because uh-huh. he just goes on and on and on. And I think Tom said in his email that uh, easy interview for Jeff, he just had to say five words and right, wait 10 yeah. minutes. 
but you know, I didn't. I I really enjoyed talking to the guy. I didn't think, man, this guy's being egotistical, or yeah, Shelton Brothers beers, yeah, they're the best. I I enjoyed talking with him. I appreciated what he had to say, and it's funny the feedback we're getting back because you know I didn't have that impression, and when I was talking to the guy at all, so. I mean, I do notice, you know, when we talk to, to people on, on the West Coast and they say you're hop repressed West, hop repressed Easterners, you know, they mean it. They they really think that we don't put nearly enough hops in our beer. And I, I just, you know, I taste some of those beers. And I'm like, wow, I, I can't imagine why you'd think that. But, you know, I also see people who say that the Arrogant Bastard is the perfect beer and they think it has, you know, just the perfect flavor. And I just think, you know, how how could anybody think that? But, you know, everyone's different. Everyone has a different tongue. My tongue happens to like lighter flavors, happens to like things that show off uh, more to a beer than just high alcohol and high hops. Going to the notes about this beer, since we're just about done with it, I want to wrap it up. The article that I found this says... This is the Dortmunder style export. Dortmunder export. Uh, Sam Adams Longsaw, brewed by Bruce Scott of Massachusetts. Bruce's original Dortmunder export recipe caught the attention of the judges for the balance of the bitterness in the malt definition. He used a simple recipe consisting of just one malt, hops, yeast, and water. This created a pale gold lager with a blend of Pilsner maltiness and mild hop aroma. Like you said, the fruitiness seems kind of out of place for this beer. Yeah. Hey, and this lucky guy, the Bruce Scott, he's having his beer drank all over the country. That's cool as hell. So our next beer is um, Boysenberry Wheat. Now, boysenberry is an interesting berry. I believe it's a combination of a blackberry and a raspberry. Like a hybrid? It's a hybrid. Okay. Um, which are not berries at all. They're actually aggregate droops, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. So this is a wheat beer. This is created by Ken Smith in Colorado. Ken describes his brew as having a refreshing light taste and cereal crispiness from the wheat malt. This unfiltered ale is a rich, fresh fruitiness and balanced by a citrus note from the noble hops. It's bottle conditioned. Wheat beers, you know, yeah. should not be filtered, but you being from Sam Adams, you never know if they're going to bottle condition it or not. Yeah. This is a bottle conditioned beer. Now, I can't smell again, so I just have to look at this right now. I mean, you kind of see... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know what this smells like? The um, like the fluoride treatment they give you at the... <laughs> that berry flavor they put in the fluoride treatment at the dentist office? That's what this smells like. Well, I mean, I'm sure they use some fruit extract in that. Uh, and some chemical additive as well. Okay, so this looks kind of... you know, I, I, I can sort of see maybe bluish highlights on the tan... Maybe I don't know. It's mm. like it's uh, being a weed. It, it comes across as cloudy. You can see through it, but not very well. The color is a bit. I'll say apricot. Yeah. Head is a uh, light, fluffy head. Yeah, the aroma. They must use boysenberry flavoring in uh, that dentist fluoride treatment, but. Actually, I haven't had one of those in years, but I remember putting those big styrofoam cups, of, you know, my like the football thing in my teeth full of fluoride. And, and this is what I remember tasting when I was like eight years old. And the flavor is um, lots of berries in it. You know, it, 
I, I kind of feel like the, the, the berries are kind of muted here. You think? They're not. I mean, the first thing you taste is the berry. And then right. the wheat comes through. And then the, the berry kind of fades, I think. It's, uh, it's, it doesn't feel medicine-y here, which is good, which, which is important. Right, right. I'm thinking if you had a whole pint glass, first three or four sips, you might have to... You're getting acclimated to the berries, yeah. so you don't just notice only the berries. Us splitting a beer might be a little bit tougher to get that acclimation point. But yeah, right now, it's just like, hmm, too many berries. <laughs> but it's still not something fruity enough that Heather would drink. So Right, yeah. They say a subtle banana flavor is here. I don't know if I quite detect that. The um, the fruit flavor to me, fruit combination of the wheat, it's coming across as like a dilute fruit drink type flavor, yeah. you know? Like when you have Kool-Aid or something with not nearly <laughs> enough Kool-Aid in it. It's one of those things that, yeah, I would not be buying a case of this. But I could try one of these, maybe two. But after a while, I think that fruitiness is just going to get overboard. It's, it's mm-hmm. just going to, you know, it's too much to add to to a whole uh, to a whole case worth of beer it's like to have. Let's do some email, shall we? Hey. Sounds like a plan. Smitty from Portland, Oregon wrote... Uh, he he really likes our beer cast. Thank you very much. He says that uh, no no no, it's not a beer cast. He calls us a beer cast. Oh, okay, actually, it can, I think it might be allowed to be a beer cast. It can't be a brew cast, right? Because the Brewing Network owns that trademark. He says he really enjoys our palates and how together we translate so well what we're tasting. Well, we we're glad you feel that way. We we hope to even improve on that. But he would appreciate getting a better understanding of his mouth feel. He says, I, I understand effervescence, and I'm getting, guessing lighter, heavy body translates simply to viscosity, but descriptors such as chewy, aqueous, warming, and I'll leave me yearning for a better grass. Well, see. Okay. Uh, you, you are correct. You know, when we say something is lighter, heavy bodied, it, it probably is partially viscosity. Um, I mean, viscosity is part of it. I mean, viscosity is actually something you can test for, whereas it's, it's, it's also, also how it feels in your yeah, mouth. It, it has a play. It's well, it's the density of it. How many dissolved sugars and other things are still in the beer? So it'd be the gravity compared with uh, how the carbonation interacts with it, because carbonation will change how the the body feels as well. But in general, right, a chewy would feel kind of more. You know, the closer to motor oil, the closer you're getting towards chewy. <laughs> right. And uh, the closer to, to water, the closer you're getting towards light. Right. And he used aqueous, one of our new favorite ones. Right. Sometimes we'll get a beer that, because watery just sounds like a poor example for a beer. Like I said, this tasted like watered-down Kool-Aid. But there's beers we've had which have been really watery, but not in a bad way. Right, watery, I mean, it's hard to describe exactly what we're saying. Normally when we say watery, if, if we're just using watery, that means it just feels like there's water and beer kind of mixed together. Right. Uh, so you have kind of the taste of water and the taste of beer kind of hidden inside that water. So that's if something is watery. But if something is more aqueous, it kind of is a lot lighter. Uh, the flavor is pronounced throughout the, entire, the, the entirety of the drink. So it's mm-hmm. not like you feel like there's a separation between water and beer. But it is a lot lighter and it kind of flows a lot smoother around in your mouth. Warming. That mostly comes from the alcohol content. Right. You'll get... A little bit of a burning sensation, like you do when you drink a hard alcohol. Um, a lot of the warming that I talk about is after I drink a beer, I sip it, I'll breathe some air in over my tongue, and uh, there'll be evaporated alcohol coming off my tongue and out of my mouth, and I'll be breathing that in and feeling that in my throat and lungs, and right. that'll be some of the warming as well. I mean, that also helps for aromas because 
I don't know if you know exactly how the the, the tongue and, and the nose are kind of are, are kind of together, but there's actually there's little nerves that reach down from, from the back of your, of your nasal cavity into right. your mouth, and they actually detect aromas. And there's almost there's kind of in, in your brain a mix between that those nerves and your taste buds that contribute to what taste is. So the more alcohol something has in general, the more easy easily it it. Uh, turns into vapor mm-hmm. and so it gets to those flavor cells and so you kind of get the more warming you have generally the you'll get some some detectable flavors with that of the alcohol and some other flavors along with it and you can also you can also smell on the exhale i i'm not a, really trained at this i'm not an expert at it but so breathing in over your tongue and pushing it up through your sinuses you can get some more sensory experience that way as well and chewy just feels chewy. I mean, I don't know exactly how to describe chewy, but it, it kind of it's just it, it a way lingers, to, it's a lingering kind of flavor that uh, you know, think a nice thick stout or a doppelbock. You know, the thing is, alcohol will cut through chewiness. So, like an imperial stout, oftentimes to me, really doesn't. I wouldn't use chewy as the best word to describe it. But something like a barley wine, which has copious amounts of malt, doppelbock. You know, there's really multi beers or what i would like to call chewy sort of a lingering sweetness that that sticks around without being so much that it's it's syrupy on your tongue. that too we try to stay away from you know saying the phrase eat it with a spoon (laughs) so i hope that helps you out sweetie Tom Schmidlin wrote us an email. He's never heard of second chance beers either. This is regarding our Keystone conversation from last week or last show. Right. And um, he said it could mean a second chance is a brand of beer because they don't do anything to advertise it but a revive the brand. Maybe it seems like a weak explanation. Some breweries do it with other brands. Well, there's, you know, to put out a brand, it lives on its own grassroots, if you will, you know, buzz and... But I mean, they've advertised Keystone. We've you know we've seen those ads before. Mm-hmm. The bitter beer face stuff. So I don't know whether it's necessarily that. But his thing is, uh, it, it could be a second running of a batch of Coors. What she says, he knows that Coors doesn't have any flavor. But the thing is, a lot of macro brews are made with high gravity mashes. They also frequently brew under pressure and high temperatures. I, I completely forgot the Coors. You know, brew a high gravity right. beer. They'll send the extract, if you will, in railroad cars to Virginia where they reconstitute it and package Coors Light there so they don't have to ship as much volume across the country. Right. Alexander N. Curley writes that that's exactly what Coors is doing. They brew high gravity in Colorado and dilute it in Virginia. So We even talked about that in one yeah. of our early shows. And I completely, That just fell out of my head. I completely forgot about that one. So it is said it could be the second runnings of their mash. Could be. It just, I mean, that feels like, I mean, it feels like for Coors to do that, to take a high-gravity brew, reconstitute another place, like I said, it feels like they're, they're taking malt and combining it with water in a blender and calling that beer. You know, Coors has to have an 800 number. You want to call, an information line? You want to call them right now? <laughs> no, really. You can patch it in. I don't know if they'll answer that question. <laughs> Is uh, Keystone made from the second runnings of Coors Light? Do you guys like Marmite? I tried some of this before, and I oh, don't like you? it. Okay. I haven't had Marmite. I've had Vegemite a long, long time ago. Marmite is basically a yeast product made from brewer's yeast, used brewer's yeast, that uh, is available in England and other places. They put on bread as kind of a breakfast-type thing. Right. 
That my cup of tea. Other people may like it. Guinness Marmite, though. This is Guinness Marmite, yeah. Uh, Using yeast left over from the Guinness process, as opposed to some lager or whatever they use the other Marmite from. (laughs) Um, Okay, and so it's a different type of uh, yeast, then. Um, Very limited release. 300,000 jars in England, so most of us in the United States here will not see it. But, but if, if we you, do have any English listeners who want to send us some Marmite, uh, Guinness Marmite or not, I, I'd like to try it. It'd be worth giving it a shot. I tasted it in Japan. Just right. send us a tiny little bottle, though. We don't need, like, a big thing of it. Maybe uh, you could also send us a shotgunator. This is a gadget that Jeff found. <laughs> How did I come across this? I, um, it was on some gadget website, right? That's it, yeah. And it's just, it, it's a, the idea is, is to poke a perfectly safe hole into a full can of beer so you can shotgun it. <laughs> it, it, it's just like one of those bottle openers, those little keychain bottle openers, but has a little extra um, protruding piece, that, and, and it's designed so it, can, it grabs onto the little lip on the bottom of a can, right. and will poke this circular hole so you don't like hurt yourself like if you're using a car key or something, and it helps you shotgun beer. So if you really, really want to get drunk and there are no spirits available. It also doubles as the bottle and can yeah. opener. So, uh, very silly. Sam Adams has unveiled a special glass for their Sam Adams Boston Lager. It, um, they said they had a whole bunch of sensory experts in there, researchers and you know designers, came up with this new glass. It's it's an interesting glass. It's a mix between a straight pint glass and, and one of these Guinness glasses right. we use for water. It has a little tighter curve on the top. So, I mentioned to the person who sent us the email. And I think you posted his reply in here. Um, I'm like, wow, that's, that's neat. I'd love to do a blind tasting of a Sam Adams Boston Lager in a pint glass, in a Guinness-shaped glass, yeah. and in the Sam Adams glass, and see if I could tell any difference. Unfortunately, it might be hard to do that when you're actually putting the glass to yeah, your lips. Yeah, because you'll know what glass you have. So. <laughs> right. But I think I'm going to have to buy a four-pack of these glasses. And we're, you know, we won't be able to do a truly blind tasting because we're going to feel yeah. glasses but maybe if we just try really hard to see if we can taste the difference and see if it's really there i think a lot of it's bunk but you know i think it's making attractive glass everyone wants to do yeah that. it's a neat looking glass it's completely different from anything else i've seen and uh, they have a price here thirty dollars for the four pack so maybe i'll get a four pack <laughs> um so there's a milk beer that i may be able to try come uh, may because it's a milk it's called Bilk. It's in. It's going to go to sale in Hokkaido, which is where I'm going to be in uh, the beginning of May. Uh, it's a low malt beer with milk, thirty percent milk, I believe. They actually, I guess, the town where it was being made, they had extra extra milk, and this they is, tried this is to not fig- lactose. This is milk. I mean, yeah, this is they tried to figure out a way to g- use up their surplus milk, and someone said, "Hey, let's make beer with it." <laughs> it's free taste. So it'll probably go with sweets. They say. Also, they say that girls will like it because it's sweet. Because <laughs> girls can't drink beer, right? <laughs> it just—it it just sounds silly. But hey, I'll give it a shot and see what they have to say. So the uh, Brewers Association listed the uh, sales figures for uh, craft beer in 2006, and they're going up 11 percent this time. So it seems like every every quarter we have more good news to uh, report on this thing, and. People are just drinking more craft beer. Yeah. yeah they're, but they're only at 6.6 million bottles. 
or I'm sorry, 6.6 million barrels is craft beer. And I think it's, oh, I don't have this on top of my head, but I think it's still less than 4% of the market in the United States. Well, you know, I mean, it's something. How, many, how much percent is max? What's that? How much percent of the computer market oh, is Macintosh? Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot more than it used to be. It's visible, though. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Max are visible. Yep. Be, craft beer is now visible. Yep, 4%. So this year was 11%. Last year it was 9%, I think. 7 6%. That's so the last growth, five years, so yeah. yeah, growth over the previous year. The growth's accelerating. Business likes to see that. So. <laughs> uh, we should do our next beer. All right. This is the Old Ale from Don Oliver in California. Don says that... The blend of distinctive malts in his brew offers a rich and malty taste that doesn't overpower. It's full-bodied heavy ale, good for a winter night, but a fire. This is a winter night, but there is no fire. Let's talk about the fire that burns in our hearts for craft beer. (laughs) Wow, that's poetic. (laughs) And so this kind of has a... Well, it looks brown. Uh, It's clear, but brown. It's got about a figure's worth of head. Mmm, yummy. Smells Still good. can't smell anything. Smells a uh, a bit like a Sierra Nevada, Bigfoot does, but not as hoppy. So it's a lot more malt forward. I feel like I'm describing colors to a blind person and <laughs> telling Greg how this smells. <laughs> it, it's a... Olfactory-wise, it's a very pleasing beer. It's one of those ones I just want to sniff over and over again. Wow, it's very complex taste. It's got kind of it, it very fruity, yeah. Uh, prune, um, uh, cantaloupe, cantaloupe. Yeah, I, the uh, had a kind of a jumble of flavors, and then it f- cleared out into that typical dark fruit flavor that you get in a porter. Which, by looking at this thing, you wouldn't expect to pick up that flavor. And then it kind of gets into after that. It, it fades away. I'm trying to... Like, let's see what the next sip has to say. Yeah, kind of raisin. Uh, and you can pick up the alcohol, too. There's a little yes, bit of warming on yeah, it. Yeah, there's definitely warming there. And this time by warming, I mean... I'm actually feeling it in the roof of my mouth. A little bit of tingle or something in the roof of the mouth. And you can feel it as it evaporates. You can feel it warming up, the air mm-hmm. above it. Because okay. that's what happens. So... That's part of where warming comes from. Uh, Gary Powell wrote us something here. He he has a suggestion for us. He says he likes our show, but his suggestion would be to mute the sound we are tasting the beer or to step away from the microphone. <laughs> He's listening to our opinion specific beer. It's a thing that gets him is listening to people swallow, particularly when it's the only sound that's audible since your podcast is so quiet. Well, we've had people who, who say they like it. We've had people who say we, they don't like it. Well, there's only been like two people yeah. who don't like this, the swallowing sounds. And lots of people think that it really gives the show the character. So I, I told Gary, you know, sorry, but the feedback that we've received so far, people like the the sounds of uh, us drinking the beer right the up close actually, to the yeah. microphone. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, um, it's the money shot of, of our show. <laughs> no, it could start burping. No. We're not. We're never going to do that. <laughs> well, we did once. Uh, Brady. <laughs> Extreme. 
Uh, Brady from Santa Cruz writes, during your, 213, uh, during your February 13th podcast, you read an email asking about beers tasting like soy sauce. I can't say I've experienced this. However, cheap soy sauces have sugar and caramel coloring and flavors added. To perhaps this caramel and sugar flavor is what reminds them of soy sauce. Yeah, it's a possibility. Anything that's not real brewed, okay. like uh, you know, a traditional soy sauce, does base. It's basically, I think, fermented soy with uh, caramel, sugar. And is Kikoman real brewed? Yes. Or, okay, because that's the only one I've ever had. I think so. Except for maybe a little packet from Giant Eagle Sushi <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, the cheaper ones are you know, basically made from mixes. So mm-hmm. right. Will Vien Lu wrote in. And he was just listening to episode 68 about the ESBs when I mentioned about how this ESB tasted like how a hop vine feels. Right. And he went on to explain that there is a... Um, well, synesthesia is what he's talking about. Okay. The concept of a union of sensations that when wires are crossed in your brain that you can detect you can say something tastes like a color or something feels like a sound uh it's as basically it's a neurological condition that you can uh you can get through some people just have mild synesthesia on their own some people you know i think schizophrenics have severe synesthesia okay uh and if you take a certain mind altering drugs you can certainly uh, experience that synesthesia of feeling colors and that sort of thing. Okay. Says 3 to 12% of the population, you know, experience this. And uh, he didn't realize it was uncommon for people to experience this until early college when someone else brought it up in conversation. He just assumed that it was how people experience the world. Yeah, you know, I think he mentioned that, uh, hey, this beer tastes purple. <laughs> Which uh, you mentioned that, didn't you? You said more purple beer. Uh, yeah, I did say that. I mean, I, I've detected or I've felt like certain beers taste like certain colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and I think that's. I don't know whether it's synesthesia necessarily, or it's just that uh, um, it reminds me of certain things that remind me of that color, and that's how it gets all mixed together in my mind. Got a what beer am I this week? Yes, indeed. No one was able to give us a good answer on why Anderson Valley changed their Belk ESP to Boonteam ESP. What's the reason? Someone, I, I, it was a question. It's not like I had an answer. It wasn't a trivia. It was a, hey, do some research for me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so one person suggested that they um, move their brewery to Boonville or something. I, I thought they were always located there. I don't know. So they renamed it. But they already had the Boont Amber Ale. So, I don't know. I would lead. There's probably some kind of trademark thing they ran into. But it's still a mystery. <laughs> oh well, this week we have a more traditional. What beer am I? Uh, I am a Russian Imperial Stout. I am brewed by a brewery founded in 2005. I was brewed on July 5th, 2006, in a limited release 10 barrel batch. My brothers and I are not available in bottles. To send your answers to WBAI at craftyradio.com. What beer am I? WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. I, I don't even know where to start with this one. And uh, if you're stumped too, you can yell at Intern Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this one is uh, has a lot of flavor to it, this beer, which is the, the last beer, the last long shot, the old ale. A lot of significant amounts of flavor really coming through. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, it's. Um it's a little sweet. It has a mix of American, German, and Belgian malts. Gives it a full-body brew, multi-aroman taste. The malt doesn't overpower the balance. Neither does the bitterness. Well-balanced brew has residual sweetness in the finish. It, um, 
It's been a while since I had anything labeled as an old ale. This certainly tastes like a barley wine. I would have thought of old ales being a little less sweet. See, I would have guessed old ale on this, I think, just because, okay. uh, I mean, the the fruity character, I don't typically get that fruitiness with the, with the barley wine. You get malt. Mm-hmm. You get sweetness. We don't get that kind of fruitiness. And so okay. I would probably detect more along the lines with old ale. The, uh, the 2007 American Homebrew Competition, the long shot, will be underway shortly. Uh, it starts in February, so check out samadams.com for details. Actually, it's the end of February, so it's probably underway, isn't it? Well, you know, I guess we didn't have didn't need to do another beer. We can just sort of determine our likes and dislikes on these three beers right now. So, I know my order. Do you know yours? Well, I have one beer on deck if you want to do it. Okay. All right. Hold on one second. Okay, this beer is a beer we've done before on the show, and it's one I let hang around the cellar for too long, and it wasn't what the name suggested it would be. So, uh, thanks to Brian Greenwood from Portland, he sent us a fresh bottle of Deschutes Hophenge Imperial IPA. All right. This thing is nice young one, so we can compare it to what we remember what the Hophenge tasted like a couple months ago. Which I don't remember. Okay. Well, it didn't really maintain much hoppiness. It was a nice amber ale, I would say. This is a 2007 Hophenge, he mentions in his note. Again, can't smell a thing. Okay. <laughs> Poor Greg. Mine poured with a rather large head compared to Greg's, so I'm getting a little bit of hoppiness, but usually with a head this big, it's hard for me to get the right aroma out of it. Yeah, that's hoppy. Compared to the other one that we had. Well, also we have been having hoppy beers. Yeah. Today. So uh, hops are going to be a lot more present to us than Mm -hmm. they would have been last time. Um, I don't know. This still tastes kind of malty to me. I mean... Well, it's a a more malty IPA. It's not a flat-out dry, bitter IPA. It um, reminds me of an Elf King style, you know, with a lot of malts and the hops are falling. So it's a nice sweet IPA. It's the kind of beer that Dan Shelton hates. (laughs) Also, we, we kept this one. The other ones have all been refrigerated. This one is not. This one has been in the cellar. Yeah, so this one is at 61 degrees right now. Yeah, so... Okay, let's see if I can describe this here. Um, again, my nose is not working, so I'm going by one you know, one mm-hmm. route. And I'm sure that the, the ganglia inside my nose are working okay, but mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff coming through my nostrils. Right. So... All right. You have uh, a bit of bitterness there, uh, a lot of kind of forward malt flavor, uh, sort of bready maltness. The the hop flavor is kind of, I mean, it's much more towards the bitter end than it is towards the flavor. I think it, it, they use a lot of bittering hops here, and I can't detect a lot of fruitiness from the hops. The, uh, the flavor is growing on me. I'm in like on my fourth sip now, and every time on it, it's just like it piles on the previous sip. And this most, the fourth sip was just a nice mouth coating hop experience. Hops aren't coming across as just grapefruit or just pine or anything like that, but it, it's kind of a mix. It's a little bit of a resinous, dare I say earthy, even though I don't think there's any English hops in an Oregon beer. Um, well, I think it would be some of the bitterness coming through. Could be that, that sort of gives you. I mean, the bitterness if if it's at, if it's at a right pitch can kind of taste a little peaty, 
Right. It's not coming across as citrusy. If the, if there is, right. you know, a Chinook, or I'm sorry, not Chinook, but um, Cascade or something, it's not advertising that, hey, I'm over here at the Citrus Grapefruit Cascade, you know? Yeah, but the hops I'm getting are mostly coming through in bitterness. There's a little bit of flavor there, but most of that flavor is kind of that astringent, mm-hmm. uh, but I detect a little bit of alcohol, too. I think it's cutting through a lot of the hot flavor as well. Right. Yeah, overall, really not my favorite IPA, uh, or the double IPA of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, 8.1% alcohol on this one, 95 IBUs. I kind of tend to like one that gives me a little bit more... That isn't quite as astringent with its bitterness, but definitely gives you more hot flavor. Right. I think this one is intending to be what it is, hophenge. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, they could go two ways. They could really give you a really juicy flavor. Right. Or they could give you a solid bitterness. I think they're giving you a solid bitterness here. Right. And if that's what you go for, then, then you'll really enjoy this. Like I said, I mean, it's not a horrible beer, but it's, it's not my favorite. It's not what I look for when I look for an Imperial IPA. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's ranky, ranky. Ranky, ranky. Well, um, number one is easy for me. Uh, number two, yeah, it's pretty easy for me. Uh, number three and four are kind of iffy. Yeah, you know, I'm going to rank the, the yeah. long shots. Okay. And the hop hinges and all, you know. Yeah, I'll it, go with you on that. It's a wrap-up. So my favorite... Erg. Erg. You go. All right. Well, the old ale is my favorite, but okay. definitely. I mean, I really enjoy the fruitiness there. Uh, really distinctive flavor. A, a lot of flavor. I mean, I love that, that beer has come through with so much flavor without being ridiculously overpowering in terms mm-hmm. of alcohol and hops. Again, something that Shelton said. Right. Uh, I mean, if you want to see what Shelton was talking about, I bet this old ale is a good example of, of the kind of beer he's talking about. Oh, that was kind of high in alcohol, isn't it? I'm not sure what the alcohol is on this thing. Is it say? Yeah, ten point six. So, oh wow, yeah. that's it, it. It hit the ten percent. Yeah, very well. It just tasted. I would have guessed seven, seven and a half. Yeah, because so, the alcohol was just starting to come out of the flavor a little bit. So maybe Dan wouldn't like that. I mean, he does say that that alcohol hides a lot of sins, which it does. But there's so much flavor in there; it really comes through. I, I love how I love complex beers like that. Mm-hmm. Um. My next would probably be the Dortmunder, even though I didn't think it was a Dortmunder. Right. I mean, you know, I felt like after you talked me into it, I think it's more of a Hellas. Uh, but, you know. The, the fruitiness was definitely yeah. out of place. And it's not really in place with a Hellas or a Pilsner either. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if how intended that was. Uh, but, yeah, it's just the fruitiness. It doesn't really fit with any of the the Dortmunders that I've you know grown to love. I mean, domestic well, and yeah. imported Dortmunders. And just, this was a Dortmunder show that would rank pretty low, but it's not a Dortmunder show. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely so. right. And uh, I agree with you so far. Uh, let me just add real quick that in the old ale, it, I th- it was very interesting how it had that dark fruit raisin flavor. You see that in porters. You see that with you know with roasted grains. But the beer was a brown beer, so well, you was, saw that in a beer like um, like Adam, like Hair of the uh, Dogs Adam, okay, another old ale. So yeah, okay, good point, good point. And the alcohol was about the same in right. those ones, so very good point. And number three, we're going to put the boysenberry wheat. I'm putting it last because not because it was a fruit beer, because it tasted like watered down Kool Aid a little bit, so it would. 
but again, if there was it was not watered down, then I would have probably said the fruit was too intrusive. Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm I don't know how... because I don't know how many of these beers you can have. have. I think it's a it's a decent beer to try. I don't think it's a bad beer by any stretch of the imagination. But I'd say it's about a three on a scale of five. You know, it's it's a it's a three or a two point five. It's not. Yeah, I give it about halfway. Yeah, it's. It's not something that you're like, wow, I gotta have more of this. I mean, you're, you know, you're intrigued by it. It's interesting enough to, to, to taste. You're not pouring it out. And the whole association made with the dentist kind of a turn off. <laughs> that may hurt you a little bit. And then we'll leave Hop Edge on the other side, uh, but we'll thank Brian for sending that in. Yes, I'm enjoying it. Greg thinks it's a little too bitter. It's nice to taste a nice fresh one compared to the one we had before, where the hops had completely gone away. In, in less than a year, so I definitely want to drink this one right away just to see how it tasted fresh. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We'll be back next week with a, another great episode. Episode 70. 70. Wow, we're getting old. Do we qualify for uh, our senior citizen discount yet? Maybe a pension of some sort. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Call the cops, I think he's coming home early. Does he know that we're on to-